Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharp Cuts. On this volleyball talk show, we give a Canadian perspective on all things volleyball and beach volleyball. On this episode, we talk about the Volleyball Nations League, currently ongoing and upcoming, as well as some in-depth analysis and tips for how to become a better volleyball player and how to train better volleyball players. Okay, so let's do it right now. We got the Volleyball Nations League coming up. It's already in progress. We got meaningful games coming up in the coming weeks. You know, we've already seen some of the results on the women's side. We got the men's side coming up. So let's get into it. You, us three dudes right here. We're, we're a little bit biased towards the Canadians, but let's get some predictions. What do we think is going to happen? And I don't care if you think you don't know anything, Dad. If you think, you know, we're getting on record, we're making a bold prediction that we're revisiting when this whole tournament is over. So who's going first? I'll go first. Okay. U.S. for sure in the women's. You like Karch as the head coach, eh? Yeah, Karch. Karch Karai. They're going to deliver the goods. Uh, And I'm going to go with um, the Netherlands. For the men. Yeah. Really? I got to look up right now if they're even in it. They are. They are. <laughs> if they're even in it. <laughs> Sorry, was that a subtle chirp at your prediction? Research yeah, that, they, was, we... that was like, how Ooh. do you know? Hey, I was just bluffing earlier on that I didn't know anything You've about You've been it. studying you just for this moment. I know all about it. Oh, you, it. Oh, I knew it. You're a By sandbagger. You like my shirt? Uh, for our viewers listening and not watching, the shirt says "Best Dad Ever" with the yeah. Canadian flag on it. Yeah, I'm obviously for Canada. Did, the, so, did you buy it yourself though? Because Garrett didn't know that shirt, so it's obviously not a gift from your firstborn. I did not buy yeah. you that. I we this is my <laughs> biological father, after all. We're talking to here on the show, so thanks for joining us, everyone. Predicting U.S. and the Netherlands, who Josh confirms they are in the tournament. So a <laughs> bold prediction that. there <laughs> from you, Dad. Okay, I'll go next um, because I'm apparently I thought I knew a bit more than you, Dad, but you're pulling out great picks. I have no idea what I'm talking about, I guess. I think on the women's side, I think it. I'm going to go against you, Dad. I'm going to say Brazil. I think they, they came out hot. They gave up that first set. That comment, Josh, you were talking about, the, the one of the players was saying they were just feeling things out, getting to know Canada, then they just squash them. I think that signals to me huge strength coming from that team. Uh, I think, too, because of the depth, that's the thing we talked about as well. With teams who are super deep, if they run bench, they spread out the playtime, the better your overall team is, potentially the better and further you go, just because when you're out there, you're giving it your best. You're not trying to throw the match or anything. Um, so I won't leave any space for y'all to argue with, uh, with that prediction. I think on the men's side though, it's a lot tougher. You got a lot of great teams, a lot of possibilities of teams to go out there and, you know, and get a win. And, you know, like we, we had mentioned a few times before as well, teams kind of jockeying for position, like maybe you don't want to give everything away. So I think I'm going to predict Canada to do pretty well for that reason. I think, uh, those boys got a lot to prove. They got to. They did really well in the last iteration of this tournament. It's mostly the same team, and I think they got to go out there and let everybody know that hey, we're coming for you at the Olympics, and we're going to take that sweet money to fund our program for the next squad. So, are you saying they're going to do well, or are you going to say they're going to win? Because one of those comments you doesn't age me. well if this goes well. Or you like... absolutely caught me. I did not. <laughs> I did not fully go all the way in on that. But because you're calling me out, I'm going all in on it. Check it. Book it. Hammer down. Canada winning the Volleyball Nations League for the men. Comment down below if you disagree with me. I guarantee we're going to get hundreds of comments. 
Oh, yeah. From the dozens yeah. of fans. The only, <laughs> thing that, the only thing you're sure of is that Netherlands isn't going to win. Well, would, that, I, I wasn't sure if I'll they were in the, the field versus the Netherlands. Is that an option? Can well, we you're just confirming they're in the tournament, Josh, because we no, weren't I, we weren't sure. I didn't even I didn't even debate, did I? I just came boom Netherlands, and it was like what? what? Hey. It's true, you did. I had to reason with myself yeah, a little bit to make that call. Hey, watch out! For the, like like me or my pick? Like yeah. Hey, there's two things that I can't stand. <laughs> Those that are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. But you, uh, <laughs> a little Austin Powers reference there, but you picked the Dutch. That's why I picked them. Oh, because you can't stand them. You can't. <laughs> yeah. And, and in honor of Rich Van Heusen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Rich. He's, he's probably not watching. If you are, comment down below. Josh, you cannot escape this. We know Josh, a, you know, next-gen coach with the Canada's Beach Volleyball National Team. We know you can't make predictions for the beach stuff because you get in a little hot water. You don't want to be betting or throwing things out there. But indoors, please tell me you have no conflicts of interest here. I, I don't think so. And, I mean, going third on this really hurts because I think taking the U.S. on the women's side makes a lot of sense. So, a team that hasn't been selected that I think is pretty good and and running a podcast. This is a, a team that I, I was aware of because I didn't really think they were on a volleyball superpower. But Autumn Bailey told me Turkey is legit. And they have some really good players. And, and I'm checking the results right now. They've got a win over Serbia as we are already recording this. And they've got a 3 nothing win over Italy. And those are two pretty good volleyball nations. So on the women's side, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Turkey. I'll take that. And we'll see what happens here. I'm sure some indoor fans are just rolling their eyes because I can't name one player. Well, and but we're I'm bitter because Turkey. you're you're coming at this prediction game with stats and data and knowledge. No when we're just no, trying no, to no, feel no. it out here. Like you, It's kind of like, what the heck? Uh, yeah, fair, fair. And then on the guy side, I'm going to go with Poland. And again, because of our ghost episode, one of the discussions there was, you know, our team's going to play their bench. Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? And I thought the comment that really caught my attention was, if there's a country in the world whose fourth left side can win a game at the international level, it's Poland. Like, they're so deep with volleyball players. They're so okay. great. So I'm not really going out on a limb. I'm just picking a, a traditionally good country, and I'm going to say Poland on the men's side gets it done. Oh, you're because so logical. Well, you're so yeah. logical. Hey, you're telling him he's so logical. That's the same reason I picked Brazil on the women's side. <laughs> just because he gave me a compliment, it doesn't hurt you in any way. It Garrett. does. No, it hurts me. No, stop it. You picked Brazil because they beat down Canada. In a way. And, yeah, you know, hey. you give... Hey, you give way too much credit to your former high school competitor who you were, you know, you had to play in her shadow the whole time. But He's talking about Jen Cross, of course, captain of the women's indoor national team for Team Canada. We went to high school together. Um, yeah, I mean, shadows were back and forth, let's say. I think she's won the long-term battle, being the captain for Team Canada and me hosting uh, Soft Rolls podcast here with you two guys. So, I mean, it's a huge fall from grace. All, all around. <laughs> now, John, I'm, I'm a little curious with the men's team. As a youth coach, you just have this moment of pride where a guy like Danny Demininko, who you've known for a long time, Steve Marr, you got to coach. Like, those guys are representing Canada now. So you just get, like, a, a nice pat on the shoulder saying, like, you helped get them to this level. And it's just nice to see former athletes that you got to work with play at this level. Oh, I'm, I'm happy for those guys because I know them. I'm happy for... For all the guys, you know, like Glenn Holug's son, you know, it's so great for his son to be a dominant player on in the international circuit. Do you know, you know his we, first name? Pardon me? Do you know his first name? Yeah, Nick. Yeah. What well, story what? checks out. No, I Yeah, I know well, of course. So I'm I'm you know what? I, I love the fact that uh, you know, it's the next generation of, of men in there and yeah the fact that i had the pleasure of coaching steve for one year and i was with danny for a long time yeah but you know i wouldn't even consider any credit whatsoever for you know where what they've achieved you know they went on to have amazing university careers and pro careers and been with the national team program so i don't i don't carry with me any pride around that i just i'm happy for them and uh Obviously, I love the experience of being around those you guys. You carry when absolutely were no pride. No. Because I got, like, among the coaching community, doesn't that have to be just massive bragging rights? Like, you get in the, you know, in the club scene, you're talking at, over drinks or something with other coaches, like, hey, 
bunch of players I coach went on to be on the national team. Doesn't that, I, I mean, that carries some weight. And I feel like, hey, listen, we're cut from the same cloth. Like, we wield a little, we wield that when we have it, you know? Yeah, I'm not feeling it. Hmm. Like, they take 17 guys, you've coached two of them. That's a pretty good ratio. I don't know if other youth coaches have that ratio. And you're just kind of like, eh, it's fun while it lasted. I got to meet those guys. Yeah, well, no, I'd admit to it. Trust me, I don't have a problem. You're picking this moment to be humble? I mean, hey, great. No, 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 no. Trust me, I don't have have an issue shining a light on my ego or my greatness. But um, I think the... the, uh, the issue is, I just lost you guys. No, I mean, yeah. Hey, listen, this I still is, hear you. You're you're frozen on screen, but I can still hear you. This is what happens with yeah, sharp cuts. You get this kind of stuff dealing with when you got these bush league guests who aren't going to take credit for their own successes, and then just call and then call me out when I pick Team Canada to win. Like, come on, no, Josh. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm full of myself no i'm full of taking credit for things that i really think i i i made a contribution to but i wouldn't you know the fact that uh, steve and danny you know howie grossinger had more of a coaching impact on uh, steve marr than i did um you know so I, I think a guy like that deserves a pat on the back um you know steve was a, a dominant player throughout his youth career and you know, he went on to have a great career at Mac. Dave Preston, I'm sure, was a big influence on him. And he just, he's the kind of athlete that finally grew into all his tools physically and mentally and, and can deliver the goods. So, you know, I'm just happy for him that he's he's gotten to that place. Well, that's Steve Marr, uh, left side for Team Canada, our national team, who will dominate the rest of the world and win the volleyball nations league i mean you've heard it here like we've already decided that's what's happening and any other predictions are just straight up nonsense so i mean again comment down below if you disagree i'm sure you do but uh shout out to howie as well i know he's a listener of the show so uh i'm sure he'll appreciate you uh you shouting him out dad um so dad i'm, I'm curious like you're looking at these predictions for the volleyball nations league they're coming up um, you got to pay money to watch, by the way, which is which is tough. But the highlights packages are great. The production value of the whole thing looks nice. What do you think? How much like, is it? How much is it? That's like sixteen or seventeen bucks, maybe more, twenty bucks uh, Canadian. So you know, for our listeners overseas, not sure what that means uh, means for you, but it's inexpensive, I think. But hey, what's the, that per the, match? Per match? No, for the whole thing. 20 bucks for the whole thing? Well, I'm I'm popping off a bit because that was the early bird special, so I'm not sure what it is now that it's already started. But, I mean, compared to Anywhere the beach volleyball, it's... which was 100% free, uh, it's a little bit more expensive. Yeah, well, it's not. It's definitely not a deterrent to, you know, getting it. Um, so, okay, sorry I interrupted you. Well, I was just going to ask. Um, you, know, you know, you know a few of these guys, and you know the Canadian style. You know, what, do you, what does it take? for a team to go out there and win this, especially in this environment when it's like, we talked about it a few times already, when it's like, um, you know, you're not trying to show your hand, you have the Olympics coming up, but it, it would be a big win to get that done. I mean, you know, like if you can go out and get the Volleyball Nations League gold medal, like I, I think you do it in some ways, right? Yeah, I, I, I think it comes down to working on different aspects of your game. You know, I, I, I think, Getting yourself, you'd use this this tournament to hone your skills, you know, tighten your team camaraderie for sure, and get together, you know, as a unit. And, and you know, I'm sure the coaches are going through seeing how different guys in different situations react under different levels of uh, intensity and pressure. And so I, I think they probably would use that, especially in an Olympic year, you know, to get prepared. And at the end of the day, you know, I believe that the team that comes to the Olympics with the best mindset and that can deliver on the first contact, both the serve and the pass, will end up winning. If you can bring constant pressure and get teams a little bit out of system, it really changes the dynamic of, you know, the game. And especially at that 
that level. If you're not serving tough, teams are just in system and pretty much impossible to stop. And if you're not passing well, and if you're not managing the ball on your side in that first contact, you know, you're taking yourself out of the game because the blocks are so big. And if you're not in system, you're going to run into trouble. So I think, you know, this, this league is a perfect opportunity to fine tune, get yourself in the right mental capacity, work on some individual skills. But when you get to the Olympics, you got to be serving and passing to win. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's kind of overlooked as a fan when you're watching the game because what you really see and remember and notice are the big plays. You know, obviously aces, big blocks, huge bounces, but the passing piece I think is kind of overlooked from a fan perspective and commentating perspective because you almost kind of expect it to just be there in some ways. So, hey, it's your brother wants to join the show. You want to say hi? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Well, hey, bro, just uh, relax there, okay? He's trying to steal my thunder already. What the heck? <laughs> soon, soon. Tell him this no, is my I... time with Dad, and we don't need any interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> he left. He left. Uh, I think that's a great point, Garrett. I think uh, what really helps is the broadcast quality. I find when the camera like swooms in on the boom uh, at the end line, and they can show the serve speed or some of these spin serves, like the velocity, but also like the hook on them and the movement, or how much these float serves are actually wobbling. Like I think the the broadcast can really shine light and show the the viewer at home that like some of these serves are nasty, and it's just not expected that you pass them well. That like it takes an extremely high level of skill to get it done, right? Yeah, and like, and from what I've seen so far, the broadcast quality looks really nice. I like. I don't know how the commentary is. I haven't listened to too much, but just the camera coverage of the games looks really good, which I'm super impressed with. It kind of makes me disappointed, though, about what kind of effort we got for the Cancun event for that same reason, <laughs> right? Like, what, you know, how how much better does it make the experience when you have commentators who are going to kind of share the experience in the game with you? You get the multiple camera angles. You kind of get the, the up close and personal. You feel like you're there almost. Maybe like a better view than if you were there. But, you know, so I hope that that kind of improves. I know we'll see that at the Olympics. But with this volleyball world venture, it's kind of exciting for, you know, a fan what that could look like for kind of showcasing the sport. I'm sure some of our listeners and viewers are just laughing at us right now, being like, you get what you pay for. Because that's what they get with the show. They get what they pay for, and sometimes our quality's not up to snuff, and maybe maybe we're closer to the Cancun event than we are to the what? VNL. What are you talking right about? Now. No, Josh, that's <laughs> not going to work. We're putting in our bid to be the commentators for Volleyball World. So we've got to hype hey, ourselves up a, a little bit. We've got to boost everybody's perception. Show, as a volleyball show, you should never draw a comparison between beach volleyball production quality and indoor production quality because as josh says like the fivb is so heavily financially invested in creating quality productions because they sell the tv rights for decent amount of money around the world where they're not getting the same traction for the beach tour um so you know it's a, it's a much more return on investment principle you know that uh the quality is is so much better uh, in the indoor game, and, and yeah. let's face it, the FIVB is is way more vested in the you know the the volleyball side of the uh, sport. Well, no, I get it, and if you can charge the ticket price and people will pay, it kind of increases what you can do with the production. But I'm still allowed to be disappointed. I mean, hey, as a fan, I want more volleyball and better coverage of that volleyball. I'm allowed, right? And I, yeah, like, you're allowed. Is that you're not allowed. our job as a volleyball show? Yeah, that's the only sharp cut we've had in like three weeks, so I'm glad you're getting fired up over this. Oh, you want to get sharp? Let's get freaking sharp. <laughs> Netherlands, you're picking the Dutch, Dad. Are you serious? Well, you know what? I, I, I know volleyball. I, yeah, like here I am. Say, here they go and win the whole thing, and I'm, I look like a complete idiot. Canada doesn't win a single set. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. Well, you predict them anyway. Yeah, so yeah, like we'll have to watch more and see how it kind of kind of pans out. Comment down below or uh, hit us up in the in the comments at what your thoughts are on uh, on the coverage so far. I've been watching. Have you signed up? Do you want to give us a password? Because I mean, Josh has had offers that he's turned down. Like, hello, like let's share some keys here, people. Or is that um, should I not say that? Get off your wallet, bud. 
hey it's not like sharp cuts is bringing in a ton of money you know like, <laughs> that's true we're, hey yeah. like come on we could provide better coverage if we had a sponsor because then we could have bought a password and then see it just snowballs from there so if Seriously? you're listening and want to sponsor the show i'll wear anybody's hat i don't have to yeah. wear this what's a 30 second spot in this uh show yeah, it's open negotiation actually you know in addition to my uh best dad ever shirt I'm also wearing my, you can see my little branded hat there. Yeah, I mean, our listeners cannot see it, so. Well, I thought this was a webcast. I, I mean, it is, so YouTube viewers can see it, but our, our listeners on the podcast cannot see it. Well, that's what you explained to them. It's the Broder Values hat. Yes, it's a Broder Values hat with a maple leaf on it. I guess a throwback to the Canadian Olympic team uh, from back in 2016. The first women's team to win an FIVB beach volleyball event, if I remember correctly. If you are correct, 2015 they won that event, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I can't remember who they were coached by, and I'm not really sure that it actually matters at all. I don't um, think he'd take credit anyways. I think it's all about the players. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I take complete <laughs> credit for that. I'm solely responsible for their outcome. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, um, we're headed towards the Olympics, right? And there's a few more things to kind of come. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but now we're kind of closer to the event. We actually talked with Brandy um, as well recently on the show. If you haven't checked that one out, uh, hit it up in the comments below for that episode. But uh, she talked about kind of the journey to the Olympics for the beach volleyball athletes. But also it's the same thing kind of for the indoor athletes as there's competitions left to play. You're a pro. You got to go there and, and play those competitions. But... You know, the journey looks real different for, you know, for different players and different teams. So I know we did our predictions, I think, a while ago for which teams we were going to see qualify for the uh, Olympics from the Americans, who was going to win for the, the Canadians. But um, that Moscow event is going on. Sorry, is it is it Sochi or is it Moscow? It is Sochi, where the Olympic Village is from their previous hosting duties, yeah. Yeah, so they're hosting uh, an FIVB volleyball tournament. So we will get a 100% direct comparison we have a, a VNL going on coverage at the same time as there's a beach volleyball tournament going on. I mean, they've got to realize that they're going to be comparing the two the whole time for fans like us watching both. Come on. Well, I think what's interesting, like the you, you know, you already know it's going to be a camera at the back and all that stuff. But I watched. We had teams in the qualifiers, so I'm watching today. Russia, I don't know if they don't think COVID's a thing. Maybe they've already defeated COVID. There's fans there, Garrett. There's energy. I'm hearing clapping. I'm hearing people yelling. I was like, and and if you're watching the NHL playoffs going right now, like the U.S. has got fans. It's just, I don't know. It just warms my heart now that watching sports and it's not in front of empty stadiums anymore, that there's actually like a, an energy in there. I just, even as I'm watching a qualifier hearing stuff in the background, it was like a, a nice little added value, I thought. It, it is so eerie, man. Like you watch, you're watching sports right now. You're not sure what you're going to get in terms of, spectators you know like you talking about the russian event they got fans there watching the games you look at the vnl they're walking out to play the game in masks fully nobody's in the stadium you watch the toronto maple leafs play the montreal canadians in the nhl playoffs nobody's in the stadium it's basically empty then you watch the highlights from florida and tampa playing and it's a full stadium full people yelling and screaming going crazy for those games it's like wow what a weird time to be alive how about how about the players championship? Did you see Phil Mickelson walking down the 18th fairway? He and people was just there, right? Surrounded by people like masses. One guy even tried to jump on his back to give him a hug. <laughs> oh yeah, it was crazy. Like nobody, not a mask in sight. These people were walking like like thousands of them in, in mass, like packed. Like ants, you know, they do that camera from the top where it looked like unbelievable. I was blown away. And it was, you know, to your point, Garrett, about being eerie. It's such, it's foreign now. It's like, oh, gosh, look at those people close together like that. That's, that, that must have been shot before COVID. I know, but like, no, us being in lockdown life. for so long here in Canada and specifically Ontario where we live. It's like you see people who are close together and it makes you cringe a little bit. You're like, ooh, <laughs> what are you doing? Because it's been so long of not doing that. But it kind of brings up a thought that I, looking forward to some of these events, you think about the Olympics, VNL's got no fans. This is probably the first time that a lot of these international players have played in front of an empty crowd. 
right? Like I, I'm thinking about even my university playing days when I played uh, volleyball at university. Like we never played a game really that didn't have people there watching, cheering for either team. So that's got to impact the results in a certain way. You think about the Olympics and you think about the grandest stage of them all, but they may get there to Tokyo and depending on the state of COVID there, there may be literally nobody there in the stands watching to play and really give the energy and feed that and really fuel the experience that uh, that is the Olympics. I think that like, do you guys think that that's got to be a factor in who actually comes out on top? Like, is it going to really change who has it has the edge to win these games? I guess it was a tough I would, question. I, I it, it, you know, obviously it's going to change the dynamic because the dynamics going to be different with empty stadiums. So yeah, okay. that yeah. is a, that is a change, but it's a change for everyone, and everybody's experiencing that as a factor. So, are there certain teams or athletes that perform better when there's a bigger audience there versus not, or that they are, are grittier, you know, or that are under pressure for the larger crowds and so on and so forth. I think it's the magnitude of the event itself. I think with respect to the Olympics that, you know, the entire world is watching from a broadcast perspective. It's not so much just who's sitting in the seats there. It's that this is truly the pinnacle of all events for certain sports. You know, the 100-meter dash, as an example, it, it won't matter that there's nobody in the, in the stadium. It's still the, the ultimate event uh, that comes around every four years. Well, and I'm that's- not sure about that. Like, you think about the teams who would be hosting. So, for the Volleyball Nations League, it's in Italy, right? You think about the, the crowd benefit that, that that team might have. For the Olympics, you think about Team Japan, who... They're they're not bad, like and with a crowd behind them, jeering the other team, fueling that energy. You don't think that might have some sort of influence that they've now lost and missed out on? Yeah, they're definitely fanatic in in Japan. They have some great fans. I think if it's if it's no fans, I agree with John. Like, there's no advantage, and everybody gets used to it. I think when there are fans, like one of my best moments of watching volleyball was uh, remember when Josh and Martin were at the Olympics, and Josh had his crew of like uh, I'm not going to say they were drinking, but they were definitely drinking during or before games. And when they played Nikolai and Lupo, you could see that Nikolai and Lupo were getting like visibly agitated about the crowd. They were looking, they were trying to get the refs to kick them out of there. Like, I think if you have a rowdy crowd, that's an advantage for the team. But if everybody's playing in front of nobody, well, then I think the best teams are just going to win and there's no advantage positively or negatively for any team. But I think if there's a crowd there, that's when like it gets one-sided in a hurry, I think. Yeah, see, I, I got to think, though, because like, as, a, as a fan and a spectator, you want to believe that some of the higher energy, higher intensity players, some of the fan favorites that you watch, you get celebrated, hype up the crowd, kind of really play it up, that they fuel and feed off that. And without it, you know, what, what do they really bring? They're probably a similar player, but do you think that moves the needle in any direction? Like you think about, um, you think about a player like, uh, the right side for Italy, um, in, on the men's side, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he's a pretty famous guy. He's got the Mohawk. Gosh, what's his name? Anyways, this is a volleyball show and we can't name it. I know, it, like it, how embarrassing. It's on the tip of my tongue. It'll come to me. But um, super energized guy gets super fired up. The crowd, his teammates, you know, the Team Italy getting really fired up. And without any of that, and it's kind of silent out there, it really comes down to like focus and what kind of energy can you generate yourself. I got to feel like that's a factor. You guys are telling me no? Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit 
clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. Well, it's, it's, I, I agree with Josh. It's only a factor for the home team crowd. I, I, if there's no home team crowd and there's just no crowd, then no. I, I remember one of the biggest, you know, seven-man advantages ever was a, a CIS tournament in Laval. I think you, Garrett, might have been in your, uh, your second or third year. It might have been your third year. Second year. Was it your second oh, year? Third I know, year, yeah. Not important. Yeah, no, I think it was your third year because Reed was there with Alberta. And uh, anyway, Laval ended up winning uh, the men's championship. And I'm telling you, every time Laval played, the stadium was packed. It had like 4,000 people in there going nuts, like constantly behind these guys. And they were definitely not the best team. But they were playing with 4,000 guys against six. You know, it was such a, it was such a, a shift in the experience. Whereas when you played Laval, you were playing against the Pack Stadium. When you played anybody else, any other two teams, there was nobody there. Yeah, I mean that is true about the home team thing. But I mean, you guys got to know that like there's players out there and players I've played with who get amped up and there's something different about a game in front of a big crowd that affects their play. I can think about a few guys I played with at university for the big crowd games, regardless of the, the gravity of the game, there was a little extra. There's a little pep in the step, a little bit more physicality. Uh, you know, you, I got to think that there's some players out there like that. Um, maybe not so much on the beach. Maybe it's an advantage to try to kind of stay in your, your own lane, stay super focused. But indoors, when it's just such a physical exertion that that feeding off that energy pulling some of the crowd onto your side i feel like that's got to be you know for some players like the high intensity players they're missing something i gotta feel like i guess you guys you guys are both disagreeing with me hey eh? you're hey you're the guys who know more about the volleyball and you're picking great picks for your choices and you're using data and smarts enough of that crap well i think your comments are just you know i think players that play for the crowd I don't think they necessarily make it to this level. And, and you know, I think they get lost in the shuffle. I think most of these athletes have something internal that drives their engine more so than external. Uh, and if we're talking about the best in the world and those that are going to win the Olympics, you know, that's you're not performing for somebody else. I think you're you're. You're you're in your own zone and your own focus. Now I might be wrong, but I think that these athletes are pretty self motivated. That they're they're they they may uh, exude some of that energy and they may use the crowd in certain ways. But I think they'll perform under whatever conditions because that's that's what they're trained to do. Yeah, I mean, they will. I mean, you get it done, and it's like, you know, you play in front of no crowd. It's not going to be any sort of detriment to you, really, in some ways. But, um, you know, that for for myself personally, I just look at it and go, man, like, it's kind of disappointing. And I, I get what people say now when they, like, want those full stadiums, why people are in such a rush to get back to games like you see in the U.S. and full stadiums because there it is something about sport that just really adds to the atmosphere for everybody involved right it just adds that little extra so uh it's going to be a, a unique olympics that's for sure um and uh well i guess we'll watch the vnl and kind of see the impacts there when you can like hear everything everybody's saying like across the net whatever like you just hear it all it's all audible same thing on the beach like you just hear everything that's going on Let's hope we don't hear anybody talking about anybody's underwear, eh, Josh? <laughs> I would love that. Garrett, that's a throwback joke. Come on. I know. I, I totally get it, but I'm I'm not sure if our listeners will, and I'm not sure if I want to clue them in. Hey, well, you know what? Here's the truth of it. I'm I'm not playing for the listeners. I'm into this show for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm focused on what I'm doing. You're internally motivated to be on the show, and we appreciate it. And we appreciate you if you're still listening. 
Thank you for joining <laughs> us here. We're on Sharp Cuts here with John May, Josh Nickel, myself, Garrett May. So the other thing we wanted to talk about a little bit, and Josh brought this up while we got you here, Dad, and I'm kind of curious because I've taken it on a little bit more as well. And I think you saw it if you're listening earlier uh, to why and how we picked the teams we were picking. I think, Dad, you, you gave it some thought. You picked based a little bit on feel. You had some knowledge. I picked it purely based on feel. Josh, you looked at what the heck's going on. You even used some results. You used some depth. You you used some knowledge and some stats to kind of pick what you're doing. And I think that's a reflection of just the kind of attitudes and styles that we bring to coaching, to the sport. Um, and, Josh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit with, with my dad about just the idea of not being a – a technical guy because I would say about myself that I'm not a super technical guy when it comes to volleyball, either playing or coaching. I even said it the other day when we were doing a, a bit of a seminar with some coaches to say, yeah, I'm not a technical guy. I don't really focus on that stuff. I focus more on the result, but I realize how huge of a thing it is for a lot of people to really focus and get into the nitty gritty of the technique. And I, I know I got that a little bit from you, dad, but I think maybe you've changed a little bit as well over the years. Well, I think there's an optimal way to do things, and there, there is a physical thing, but there's a ton of data in the motor learning and the motor science thing about, like, external focus. Like, Garrett, I remember when we were on the beach crew, and, you know, times would be slow, and I'd just be talking your ear off about volleyball, and even you learning how to handset it, I believe John told you just to set the ball with no spin. It wasn't about, like, oh, your left foot needs to be forward, your right foot needs to be forward, you need to be balanced, you know, you know, almost catch the ball really fast and release it. If you're a little kid, like, there wasn't, like, a lot of technical what your body was doing. It was just, like, Garrett's set the ball with no spin like that's all this skill is and i and john i'd love to get your thoughts about why maybe you were ahead of the curve on this external focus about like less about what your body's doing and more about like the outcome you're trying to achieve well yeah i think it's a uh, you know philosophically i just think we you know especially when you're training you know say twice a week or you know you're you're dealing with a club team versus a university team or versus a national team. You know, I, I don't think there's enough time to get the volume of contacts in if you're spending too much time adjusting technique. Now, if there's blatant, you know, the blatant, uh, I guess, techniques that are out of whack that are really going to hamper performance over the long term, then yeah, they need to be adjusted. But, you know, if you look at Garrett's skills or Reed's skills or, you know, most of the guys that were part of the crush program, and and I know we got this all the time when we would go and uh, play in tournaments, people would comment on the, the, their passing skills, how great a passers they all were. And they, they'd say, well, that's because they're beach players, right? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're beach players or whatever. But I know in one of my practices, they would probably get a 100 times more the reps on any given skill than anyone else would get. And what that builds is, you know, muscle memory, your own adjustments to your technique. And there may, like, let's talk about arm swing. I would never teach arm swing because, you know, there's so many different styles to an arm swing. And, you know, keep your elbow high, get your, you know, like the basic little things, bow and arrow or those little techniques, use your wrist, open your, you know, whatever. It, it, it's the same little thing. And you got to let the athlete evolve their own technique unless they're, unless they're really doing something, I say, like I said, to, to hamper their long-term potential. But I think volume. Volume of reps is what it's all about. And I remember the mentality that you would develop, like with respect to Garrett's setting, his hand setting. And like beautiful. Did, Just buttery, smooth, so smooth hands. Good, yeah. yeah, he became, without question, you know, one of the best hand setters there is. Still am. And, and it would, I can always remember, you know, the evolution of, you know, referees making a call and I, I, I could remember as young as he was, I could remember if he ever got called, it was mandated that you had to set the next ball with your hand, no matter if it's spinning or it's got, you've got to come back and address that, you know, with hand setting. And you have to ask the referee or you have to talk to the referee 
about his decision to call your hands because you're developing the expectation that your hands are perfect every time. So in your mind, you're never questioning that your hands set. So me Ever. being full of myself just in the few moments ago is actually proving this point that you're just saying about conditioning me to do that. Confirmed. Well, I think you were Awful. conditioned. I take to, it back. Yeah, I think you were conditioned to know that you could always set with your hands without question. Now, I don't think I've told you the story, Garrett, but I, I was asking Aaron Cadu, who coached with your dad, a bunch of questions. And finally, he just got so fed up. He's just like, Josh, just ask John if he can come to a practice. So I go to a crush practice, and I'm it's Reed's 18-new year, and they just had one. Uh, 18U the previous year playing up as 17U. So I'm expecting like the most dialed in practice, all these secrets. I get there and everybody's just like, yeah, like, come on. And I played short court. Everybody and their and their parent was playing short court. Me and Roman Coker, we actually got on the on the king side for a game, but everybody's like loose, like games going on and playing with Roman Coker. And then Aaron decides the practice is gonna start, and I see the most dialed in pepper I've ever seen. I'm like, okay, so these guys can like switch it on when they need to. And then this is the one that shocked me, and this goes back to John's comment about the volume you were getting. Aaron is standing at the baseline in six, and he is underhand serving at the best team in the country. But they have to get like 50 in a row, and if they don't, you don't get yelled at, you don't get this big speech. You just, you just do it again. And I guess like you were going to do that drill the whole night if they didn't get through it, but they did, and they kept layering up and layering up. And, and eventually it ended with some really intense game plan. But I don't know why my mind was so like, oh, this is going to be the best practice ever. And then I get there, and it's like, playing short court with Roman, everybody's loving volleyball, it's really loose, and then AC starts bombing underhand serves, and I was like, this is interesting, but but the focus and intensity they brought, that's kind of the thing I took away from that crush practice. So are you saying it was actually a terrible practice and that they were, they were actually really bad? Like you were expecting something great and you saw just maybe they got lucky. I didn't. I didn't expect underhand serving to be happening at the best club team hey, maybe of all time. Don't turp it though. Dad had a wicked underhand serve. Dad, your underhand serve is legendary. You could get it to float with the underhand serve, basically as good as the, somebody's standing float. Yeah, I got the best underhand serve in the world. Yeah, remember the comment about you know conditioning to you know just assume that you're the best. It works for all things apparently, including underhand <laughs> serve. I'll tell you one thing. You talk about focus. I can remember, uh, and and it's all a bit of theatrics. But I can remember stopping practices, even at the university level, but certainly at the very young youth level, stopping the practice to say, hey, somebody didn't hand me the ball the right way. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, oh, God. No, but, but serious, because when you talk about focus, Josh, if you're shaking a ball – and you just run around, you're not thinking, and you put it on my upper back, or you or you, you just drop it, or it's not, you're not focused when you're handing, then you're not focused the whole time you're in the drill, even when you're not, you know, handing the ball or passing the ball. So the, the training of focus is way outside of the execution of the skill. It's your mentality in the practice. And I would do that for theatrics. If you're not, if you bump into somebody or, you know, another one I used to love is if somebody would get in the way of my arm. Oh, when I, I hate that. You, oh. I'll, I'll extend this. You used to go back on the underhand serve and crush guys right in the groin area with the serve because they weren't paying attention. And then you'd yell at them. Hey, what are you doing getting in the I way of never, my serve? I would never do that. You also... Because somebody, because guys, and I hated this too, would run in front of the serve. Like, don't ever do that. Like, you're unfocused. But you, like, like they'd get hit in the face if you, like, because you're yeah. still, you're not stopping. Yeah. So the, the the principle when you talk about focus, I think it's so so key to train that. You know, it, it and and outside of touching the ball or being in, and it's so hard. You know, as a coach. To, to command that because it's it seems like an anal thing, right? It seems like, what are you making a big deal about that? I'm just handing to the ball. Are you? Yeah, I mean, we all thought that for sure. 
Yeah. Well, it definitely reached the athletes level because I remember asking Matt Trinier about this, you know, coach serving balls, and I was like, "Doesn't that ever get boring?" Because you did it like since like fourteen U to eighteen U, and Matt just looked me in the eyes, just like. Well, if you're bored, you're not focused. And I was like, oh, okay. So this drill never Man, gets old. What a brainwashed group. It was a cult. Crush Volleyball Club was a cult. No, we were well-conditioned, so drinking the Kool-Aid. Hey, boredom, boredom is the same as fear. As far as, as it relates to your ability to focus. If you're totally bored and you lose track, then you can't focus. If you're afraid and you're fearful and you can't focus, well, you lose focus. It's the same thing. Okay, just yeah, you, you brought it around. I, I was going to say that was a while, but it came back together and quite nicely, actually. I mean, well done. I'm just saying that just that's just how it is. That's well, just the truth of it. Yeah, and I, I can remember like really identifying with that as a player and kind of brought it in my beach career, professional, indoor, whatever is like. You know, when you're trying to do something new, you'll figure out the best way to do it physically, passing, setting, hitting, whatever. But if you have a, an appropriate thing to focus on to deliver, then you'll figure out what you need to do to get that, that get that result the most. You know what I mean? So, like for example, the hand setting thing that you mentioned earlier, it, all I needed was somebody to tell me just set it with no spin. For me to figure out what I needed to do with my hands, my legs, my arms to set it with no spin. Was it right? I, I don't even know to this day if it's the best way to do it, but it was the way for me to do it to get the result that I wanted. So now when I hear people talk and get really in-depth about like, oh, foot placement and just find like really minute body movements, just makes me squirm. It's like, oh gosh, like you're not actually doing it right. Like you're, you're focused on something totally different than what the sport demands. Well, that's the value, right? That's what motor learning says about this, that if the athlete discovers their own way that has staying power versus the, the coach prescribing and saying, Garrett, move your left shoulder. I don't know, dip the shoulder or whatever. Versus if you find the solution, then that's going to perform under pressure. That's going to perform under stress, fatigue, all that stuff where it's just going to be such more like programmed into your physicality than, than a coach telling you what to do every single time. Right. Look at well, you bringing in motor learning and technical terms yeah. and real science stuff into this show. Like you're raising the knowledge level here on Sharp Cuts just by a full, full measure. Hey, well, hey. call back to a previous episode, Garrett. I'm not a previous player, but I coach at the national team level, so I had to figure it out a different way. Oh, ego said, coming out. Hello. You just tell okay, people you're world we champion go. and now, say, hey, hey yes. this is the drill I did when I won Worlds. Hey, yes. Liam and Alex, you guys are over there. We're doing this. Where I have to explain, like, guys, we're in this periodization stage. We got to do this. This is the volume and intensity. Yes. I got to really nerd out to bring some value to what I do because I can't just show them a gold medal. Josh, I hey, love you know it what? when you go full ego. It you is my what? favorite so, thing when you flex on people because it's just amazing because you're coming at it with so much truth. It's it, And it's so, it, it is, it is an example of what we're talking about. I'll bring some more relevance to it with, you talk about Danny Demianenko and, uh, you know, things like the execution of a skill, like blocking and hand positioning and penetration. And, you know, blocking is a very it's so timing relevant and it, it's a very difficult thing to teach actually and to train because, you know, it, it's, it's counterintuitive to, you know, have your team hitting balls into the guy's hands. And, you, know, like it, you know, it, get it, blocked for 10 minutes. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, who does no. that? It doesn't make any sense. But Danny was a guy when he was, when he first came to crush. Danny Demianenko, middle for our men's national team, Team Canada. He just had what was a natural, perfect hand position, penetration, you know, technique with respect to the way he positioned himself. And then his movements, you know, were were pretty quick and natural. And, you know, he was a, he was a, a great athlete. So but this is a lesson it, about how you actually didn't do anything to help these guys be great. They were just already well, great. A hundred percent. I don't think I ever, you know, and, I, and Danny and I would probably laugh about it. I don't think I ever really gave him any real technical advice. I was just there for him <laughs> supporting his greatness. I'm going to quote that, put it on a picture. John May, I was just there. 
Yeah. And then right underneath it, like 14 national championships or whatever crush has over you and <laughs> yeah, Reed's career, resume, right? Yeah, your whole resume, Dad. Just every like, win. I was just it's there. It's true to a certain extent. It's like this. I was watching the first episode of the Tyson uh, series. You know, the show on Mike Tyson. Have you heard about this? Knockout? I saw it. I missed it. I saw it. It was going to be on TV. I didn't watch it, unfortunately. Well, it, Gus, and I forget his last name, but his original trainer that took him under his wing and in the and the origin and helped him evolve into being a, you know, like the amazing heavyweight champion that he was in the early stages. And he was there. He was just there. Did he teach him all those techniques? I think it was a couple of other guys that actually would take him through some different movements and things. But he he played a father figure to the guy and gave him that fundamental confidence and gave him it helped him establish some sense of focus. Now, not I, I wouldn't draw the comparison between, you know, Tyson and Gus and me and Danny by any means. There's I would. I think wrong. I think me, Danny, the, all the Crush guys are about as equivalent in terms of stardom, celebrity, accomplishment in our sport as Mike Tyson, for sure. <laughs> well, no, but but you know what? Truthfully, you you all have accomplished great things in the sport, and and it's because of, you know your will to do so and Danny's, you know, will to do so like truthfully, you know, but there was not a lot of technical direction. Okay. So and I'm going to stress this point because I like what you're saying, but I feel like it's not hitting home, you know, what you're trying to get at so much. I know what you're talking about, but for our listeners out there, so say somebody comes up to you, a player or coach, doesn't matter. Say, Hey John, you know, I'm really struggling with, you know, my passing. You know, I'm thinking my feet aren't in the right place. Like, you know, my, my, on my arm position, my platform, you know, like my steps, like what kind of footwork do you think I need to kind of practice? And what's the footwork to put together a proper pass? Like somebody asked you that, what would you say? How would you respond? Well, I quickly shift the focus off of their footwork into then the fact that they're thinking it's their footwork. Because that's not the issue. If they've established what's in their way, then that's the first thing you you probably have to remove. Now, there's two ways to remove it. Change it or make it not the issue. And to change someone's footwork may not necessarily be the real issue. The real issue is they're not getting the job done because they think it's their footwork. If somebody came to me and said, it's my footwork, well, then that's obviously what's in the way. To me, it's it's mental. Now, it's not that I wouldn't say, hey, when you're passing from your left, get your left foot forward, or when you're passing from your right, get your right foot forward. Like, it's not that I don't really have a pretty solid understanding of, of the technical elements of the game and of the execution of skills, you know, probably do at a at a significantly higher level than most coaches, but I would never make, I would never make, I would never make it the thing because if you make it the thing, it'll probably remain to be the thing until you eliminate it. So, so basically the lesson here is, is when people are looking for that stuff, take it, wrap it up in a nice shiny bow and then punch them in the face with it um, to really get the best results metaphorically punch them in the face with it of course well no just make them aware that it's in their it's in the way and it's in their mind and it's establishing something yeah you know it's 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 important to uncover what you believe is holding you back from your own greatness i do strongly believe that and then if somebody begins to suggest that their technical skill execution is what's in their way, uh, I would think that we better find some ways other than just the adjustment of the technique or working on the technique to convince them that that's no longer in their way. So Josh, we need to uh, make a secondary kind of meme. We got, I was just there, but we also have what's holding you back from your own greatness. I think we also got to bring it 
full that'll of stuff sell. like that. That'll sell. I'd put that on a t-shirt. I'd wear that. You put that on a t-shirt? Well, Would you wear it instead of best dad ever? Because I think that t-shirt is just kind of embarrassing, especially when you bought it for yourself. No, no, I didn't buy this for myself. Uh, are you sure? Because I didn't buy it for you. No, my 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 baby Jet and Maxwell got it for so me. So you're saying Jet and Max walked out to the store and <laughs> and paid money for that shirt. That's right. Did and you walk the way, them to the store? By the way, by the way, while we're on this call, your brother Reed phoned as well, and that's what the interruption was. And you know, ironically. By Reed calling, it knocked your live picture out of my camera view. Yeah, I can't I, see you now. I'm, I'm really used to Reed doing that and just <laughs> knocking me out of the picture. I mean, it's a pretty common <laughs> thing with, with the family, but no, I mean, great. Well, well, you'll get over it, Gare. Well, I mean, 29 years going, I'm, yeah, I, I, I will eventually. Um, you'll get over it. Wow, well, I mean, great insights, Dad, and it's always great to hear that stuff kind of coming back again full circle as I hear it back again, but it ha we haven't touched on it for a number of years, so it's just kind of wild how uh, you kind of learn these lessons and hear them over and over again and try to apply them in your everyday life. What's holding us back from our greatness on this show, Josh? And let's get it out of our way. What's holding us back from our greatness for everything we're doing in life? And let's get that shit out of our way. That's a good question. I was just going to say for you, like you might glance over this because you've heard it growing up and John was uh, obviously he's your biological father, but he was also your coach where I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time and I'm just soaking it up. So let's not try to glance over stuff for our listeners who are probably, you know, really fired up by that. I think there's a lot of good information there that I know, like I said, you've probably been hearing this for 29 years, but uh, I'm taking notes here. That was great. That was great. And if our listeners are inspired and fired up, what's holding you back? What's holding us back from our greatness? It's you, the listener, sharing this podcast and show with your friends and other volleyball fans is what needs to happen right now. Great That's really going to what's holding us back from the greatness, right? How do we get that out of our way? By you sharing this episode. Thank you so much for listening. You tell two people, they'll tell two people, they'll tell two people. And then, man, we, we've got ratings, we've got sponsors. We got a good thing going. And then we got it's our own so show. Funny. It's so funny what comes to both of you naturally. Like I think you're you're headed to your own greatness. Like Josh, your your delivery and I and it first hit me like a like a ton of bricks when you interviewed me on the uh, Passing Dimes show. Shout out and your your intellect with respect to the way in which you asked the questions and how you demonstrated some sense of understanding for what was going on you know, within my headspace and my world, you know, as it relates to whatever coaching or just being. So I think you're onto something here with respect to the way you approach people and, and Garrett, your, you know, your, your stimulating energy with respect to this and your, your just joy for, you know, communicating. I think you guys are onto something pretty special here. Well, and thanks. I, I mean, it is sharp cuts. Yeah, thank you. It's sharp cuts, but it's turned into soft rolls. We may have to change the name because we're just, we're Canadian. We can't help it, right? We're just so darn nice to each other. Everything we say has been well, nice. You know what? I said so many nice things to Brandy last time we spoke. You both did. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you sound so annoyed by that. <laughs> she was amazing, I, right? She was amazing. So I have to give her credit. And uh, you know what? It, I think we can accomplish way more by helping people, uh, you know, realize their, you know, what's great about them. But having said that, I think it's important when there's things in people's way, we should not be afraid to address them and, and help them get past them. All right. Well, you know, that's, that's great advice because you are currently in the way of us ending the show. So <laughs> we're going to have to address... <laughs> Address what's in our way and get over. <laughs> because we are, we've gone on for quite a while. And if you're still listening, thank you so much. I mean, we can't, we can't thank you enough. All, all of you, all millions of you, dozens 
for watching the show. If you're watching on YouTube or listening uh, via the podcast, uh, appreciate it so much. Uh, it's been great chatting with these guys, and we're looking forward to more volleyball in the coming weeks and headed towards the Olympics. So if you enjoyed the episode, share with your friends, share with your family, share with your volleyball team, share with your rec team, hit that like button, subscribe. What do you need, Josh? Five stars on the podcast? Does that help? That uh, helps in a big way. Five stars any, any on that comments podcast. comments or five-star rating? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Help, help, help the, those algorithms give us a hand. And we'll keep trying to give you episode thought-provoking episodes like this one. Josh, any other words for the folks before we uh, shut her down? Well, I want to thank John again for coming on. I think he, you know, he says those nice things. That's the best way to get invited to be another returning guest here. So he's got an impressive streak going of how many episodes he's putting together here. But uh, I want to thank the listener most of all because I think without them, Garrett, we would just be talking every Wednesday night, which would be enjoyable. But we got to put this on the internet. We got to share it with the world, and we need a little support from them. So if they could share that with their friends, it honestly would go a long way for us. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.